You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. Uh, sorry this is up a little later than normal in the morning. Having some technical issues, some laptop issues. So if that's why this sounds a little different, that's also the reason behind that. But episode is up now. Uh, appreciate you tuning in when you do. And I wanted to start today with some, a top 25 poll came out in football. The coaches poll came out today. USA Today AP top 25 will come out on Monday. Um, so we'll cover that here in segment one. And then in segment two, we'll actually have some basketball talk for you. Uh, TC Basketball posted something yesterday that piqued my interest. And obviously we're still a ways away from that season starting up. But I, I find this team really intriguing. So we'll break that down a little bit as we close up shop here on a Wednesday edition of the show. However, uh, that coach's poll did come out today. And TCU was not ranked. Now they did receive some votes. And if you kind of count it out based on who received votes after the top 25, it looks like they come in about 33rd in the coaches poll. So, I mean, they're, they're around. If you have a good start to the season, I think it's fair to say you could probably be looking at a situation where you're in the top 25. Not the most important thing in the world, obviously. I, I do think it's funny, though, this team, people around the team and the fan base – there's a ton of expectations, really high expectations. But honestly, around the nation, I mean, they're well-respected. Uh, however, fifth in the Big 12, 33rd in this coach's poll, um, they're, they're not quite getting the love that you would probably imagine if you talk to somebody who is sort of locked in and looking at the ro- at the roster on a more close uh, close basis. And I don't know if that's simply because, uh, you know, they have a lot of guys returning, but with the COVID year, there's a number of schools that have a lot of players returning and a lot of experience on their roster. Or if that's just the fact that the last few years, they've honestly kind of been hovering around the middle of the pack, um, a 500 ball club for the most part. So it's kind of like a, hey, prove this before we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, but that's where they come in in the USA Today's co- in the USA Today uh, coaches poll. Now, as far as where are other Big Twelve teams on this list, um, we'll just kind of run it down here. At, at number one, you have Alabama, which not entirely surprising. Uh, th- they're losing a lot, but the way they recruit. <laughs> The way that that program's a machine, I don't really have an issue with that. Clemson's at two. And then the first Big 12 team comes in at number three in Oklahoma. Um, This is a really good OU team. And and they've dominated the conference for a long time. But I I think this is maybe the most preseason expectation they've had since the Baker Mayfield years. Uh, I've seen some analysts that think this is the group that could – win a playoff game, potentially play for a national championship. And they're sitting there at number three at four, Ohio State, five, Georgia, six, Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher doing a nice job there. Uh, They're coming off a really good season. The funny thing about A&M is as good as they've become in the SEC, and I think the the program's really taken uh, a step up, 
being in the SEC West, it's like, okay, you're sitting at six, but you're still behind Alabama. You're still behind Georgia in preseason projections, even though they're in a different division. It's just hard. It's just hard to find a way to break through when you're there in the SEC West. And Oklahoma and Texas will find that out um, whenever they make that jump in the next few years. At seven, Notre Dame. And then at eight, Iowa State. So two Big 12 teams in the top ten. And Iowa State, similar to TCU, I mean, they're just bringing a lot of people back. They have a number of guys. um, I don't know if there's a, a team in the country that benefits more from this sort of super senior season than the Cyclones do. Matt Campbell has a roster of players that aren't necessarily going to be great NFL players, don't have um, huge NFL aspirations, but are really good college football players. So it's sort of the perfect combo for the storm of what happened with an extra year of eligibility. So they're at, they, they are there at eight. Uh, TCU will play them late in the season on the road going to be cold that'll be a game that you definitely circle it and hopefully that's a game that means a lot when it comes down to it uh number nine north carolina mac brown doing a nice job there 10 of cincinnati 11 florida 12 oregon 13 lsu 14 usc 15 wisconsin 16 miami at 17 indiana 18 iowa so a, a long jump here at 19 here's texas but a pretty big jump you had two Big 12 teams in the top 10, but then only one uh, coming in at 10 through 20, and that's Texas at 19. I believe in Steve Sarkeesian more than I did Tom Herman or Charlie Strong coming in, but I, I still think this is a little high for UT. Um, I mean, they won an Alamo Bowl last year, but they lost Sam Ellinger. They're going to be replacing some production on defense. They're changing schemes on both sides of the ball. They might end up there at the end of the season if things stabilize, but I believe the start of the year will be sort of difficult for them, and you hope that means that TCU can get a victory since they're playing them early in the season. Um, They have a tough non-conference schedule with Louisiana coming to town early in the year, but they come in at number 19. I mean, death taxes and Texas being in the top 25, it's just, hey. It's it's about as automatic as it's going to be. Um, and then finishing out the list at 20 Penn State, 21 Washington, 22 Oklahoma State, 23 Louisiana, 24 uh, Coastal Carolina, and 25 Old Miss. Oklahoma State rounds out the top 25 for the Big 12 at 22. So four teams in the top 25 in the Big 12 Conference. TCU not one of them, but they're sort of there on the outside looking in. In the receiving votes category, um, I, I could definitely make the case for them being above Oklahoma State. Ultimately, though, that doesn't really matter. You have to go get it on the field. I know uh, the team and the coaching staff relishes being under the radar, uh, being a team that not everybody is looking at, so, and that's worked out really well for the program in the past. So we'll see what happens once they hit the field. Coming up next, we'll actually transition to a little basketball talk. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Segment two here on Locked On Horn Frogs, and I want to talk a little basketball. Uh, I saw this from the TCU Basketball Twitter account yesterday. It was a little, just like one-minute video, and they said, coming soon, a series is going to drop called The Reboot, and it's a documentary series about... Uh, you know, TCU basketball goes behind the scenes of the program. I really enjoyed on ESPN Plus, TCU baseball did Frog Ball USA, which was a 
a series of like 30 minute episodes about the season. Um, it was good stuff. I like getting some behind the scenes content here from the players a little bit. So I, I don't know how long it's going to last, but they said, Hey, once a week, we're going to give you a look at who this team is. And that'll be beneficial for the fan base because <laughs> this is a completely different roster. I mean, it really is like, if you follow the NBA closely, you might be watching for the first couple of weeks of the regular season and go, oh, wait, that guy is on that roster now. Free agency has become almost the most important part of the league. And in college basketball, the transfer portal um, has become similar. I mean, there's just a number of guys looking to make moves every single year. I, I do think, though, I was really hard on this staff to end last season. I mean, I, I thought Jamie Dixon should have been shown the door. Now, he could really bounce back this year, and I hope he does. I don't, I don't wish any ill on the team. I, I think they can be good. They're more talented this year. But I just I wasn't seeing the progress that I thought was necessary for him to stay around. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they come out this year and just completely prove me wrong with this new-look group. There are some positive signs, though. I mean, one, it's not just the transfers, even though I think that's the biggest thing. If... The, the talent is truly a big upgrade, and that's going to be huge. Uh, but Francisco Farabello, point guard, had a heart condition. He's cleared. He should be back. He should be able to come in either off the bench and, uh, you know, run the offense or maybe in a starting role and allow Mike Miles to play off the ball more. You know, Mike Miles did a really good job in the uh, FIBA under-19 tournament where USA won gold. He ran point for them in pretty much every game. He played most of the minutes. Uh, He was a scorer when he needed to be, but he was also able to distribute. He's a star. Like, he's a legit star. And I think that's one of the reasons why they went ahead and did this roster overhaul. One is probably, I mean, there's probably some uncomfiness on that coaching staff of, hey, we got to get going here. We got to get a kickstart going for this team. But also, you look at Miles and you say, all right, how much – are we only going to have this dude for potentially one more year? we got to find a way to be competitive when he's here because it would just be a complete waste if he was on the floor and you're not that good. It's, I mean, honestly, like Desmond Bain had an outstanding career. He's going on to do a great, great things in the NBA. He's having a great summer league season. But he was so good his senior season – I mean, he was like a first-team All-Big 12-type player. And that was the only reason they sort of stayed afloat. But they, they wasted that year in a lot of ways, even though he was fantastic because they just didn't have much around him. Um, also, another positive sign from a guy that is coming back is Eddie Lampkin. I know he's a fun story last year, but the bottom line was the kid just couldn't play many minutes because, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't completely in shape. Um, he's cut a ton of weight. He's down to 275. He was in the 330 range last season, and he posted on Twitter, I guess it was about a week ago, that he's down to 275, which is, I mean, good for you, young man. Proud of you. Like, that's a huge transformation in one year. That's somebody that's taking the offseason program really, really seriously and understands, okay, if I'm going to be able to play at this level, if I'm going to be able to be on the floor, I can't just muscle people around. I have to be more athletic. I have to be lighter on my feet. So that's big. And then you get in to the new faces. I mean, Micah Peavy, um, who's originally from Duncanville but's coming over from Texas Tech, is long, 
athletic, can make plays. He's a huge upgrade over what they had at that wing position last year. Um, uh, you know, Chuck O'Bannon's back. Xavier Cork is a, a big man who could score. He's from Western Carolina. Shadow Wells um, from UCA. Eric Hughes, who's a friend of the show and has covered baseball for us in the past, he told me he does UTA basketball games as well. He said this guy can just flat-out score. I mean, he's somebody that can go get his own bucket. And last year, other than Nimhard and other than Mike Miles, they just simply didn't have anybody who could go get their own shot. I mean, Kevin Samuel could score inside if you got him the ball in certain situations, but there were no other shot creators. Um, so with PV, with PV, excuse me, with Wells, you know, with Farabello, and another another transfer that's coming in, Maxwell Evans from Vandy, who is uh, sort of a super senior, who's started in the SEC and averages about ten points a game. I mean, that's three or four guys right there that can go get their own bucket, and that's huge. If you have players around. Um, Mike Miles, who can score, that takes a lot of pressure off him. It allows him to distribute more. It allows him to play off the ball more. Um, that opens up your, your offensive sets in a lot of ways. Jacoby Coles from Butler um, and originally from Nitton Geyer, another exciting player. Salomane Dumbaya, the Juco transfer, who's coming over from Navarro and is the number one Juco big man in the country. Uh, he's going to be a huge help. So inside – you have a little bit of depth, you hope. Now, you got to see on the court, but last season, Kevin, he gave you good minutes, but he was pretty limited um, just in the fact that they didn't have great guard play and they couldn't get in the ball. And Jaden Ledee was uh, a good player for you towards the end of the season, but that was really it as far as big men that you could put on the floor. And you hope that with uh, Dembaya, with Lampkin, with Cork, uh, and maybe Coles, you can have a pretty good rotation of four big men that you can rotate in and out and give yourself a chance to um, have a presence inside and get some easy buckets. That's going to be huge in the Big 12 because it's such a deep, deep conference. And that's, that's the biggest thing that gives you pause is you can be a lot better, but you could still end up finishing 6th or 7th. However, finishing 6th or 7th in this league I mean, that's not ruling you out of a potential NCAA tournament bid, honestly, because it's just so good. Um, that'll do it for Lockdown Horn Frogs today. Thank you for listening. I'm Stephen Simcox. I'll be back tomorrow. Again, Lockdown Horn Frogs is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.